Are you feeling frustrated with the job hunt? Are endless applications and a radio silence getting you down? You can now book me for $1 a minute for 30, 45, or 60 minutes. Don't need 45 minutes, don't pay for it. Want to do 30 minutes now and maybe 30 minutes later? Once you progress, let's do it. We can conduct a mock interview. I'll help you format great responses that make a difference. We can improve your resume and cover letter to help get you noticed. I'm here to consult with you. If you're in a unique situation and want input from someone that has seen it all and can help you succeed like I have so many others, it's super simple. Just go to jobinterviewexperience.com and click the $1 a minute coaching button at the very top of the page. Select the amount of time you want to meet and then you can look through my availability without having to pay. Check out my availability, pick a time, and pay $1 a minute for 100% of my attention. It's blocked into 30, 45, or 60 minutes, so we won't go over, you won't get charged any more than what you pay at checkout. Remember, the faster you invest in yourself, the faster you land that dream job. Go to jobinterviewexperience.com or follow the link in this episode's description. I'm excited to meet and help you take control of your career today. Welcome to the Job Interview Experience. Today, we have a special guest to help you with your interview and your career. Mark Hirschberg has spent his career launching and developing new ventures at startups and Fortune 500 companies. Mark helped start the Undergraduate Practice Opportunities Program, dubbed MIT's Career Success Accelerator, where he teaches annually. At MIT, he received a Bachelor's of Science in Physics, a Bachelor's of Science in Electrical Engineering and Computer Science, and a Master's of Engineering in Electrical Engineering and Computer Science focusing on cryptography. At Harvard Business School, Mark helped create a platform used to teach finance at prominent business schools. He also works with many nonprofits, including Techie Youth and Plant a Million Corals. Mark is the author of the Career Toolkit, Essential Skills for Success That No One Taught You. Mark, thanks for joining us on the job interview experience. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure to be here today. While introducing you, one can't help but notice that you keep busy. Outside of work, how do you like to spend your time? I stay pretty active. In pre-pandemic times, I used to do a lot of socialization, even though I'm an introvert. So I used to do a lot of entertaining at home, large gatherings, my annual Halloween party, chocolate fondue party, small gatherings like dinner parties or game nights. I also do a lot of learning, teaching, the volunteer work keeps me busy, and then just fun things like theater and museums and just getting out into the city. I read about your skills in ballroom dancing, and I've taken ballroom dancing classes. I found it wildly challenging. So my hat's off to you. How did you get started doing that? At MIT, ballroom dancing was a very popular uh, intercession activity. During our January intercession period, there's lots of different classes and things that go on, most of them fun. And so I got into ballroom dancing then. I started dancing socially and my then girlfriend decided she wanted to compete, which apparently meant I decided I wanted to compete. And so that got me into the competitive circuit. I spent most of my 20s traveling the country, going to ballroom competitions. And you know, the interesting thing, that actually really helped in my professional career. Unexpectedly, it wasn't why I started ballroom, but paid dividends there as well. Let's get a little bit of your background in careers, and please expand for us on your journey to your expertise in careers. 
I began my career coming out of MIT in the 1990s during the dot-com era, and I started as a software developer. I knew early on that I wanted to become a CTO, Chief Technology Officer. And I understood that to be the CTO, it wasn't just about being the best programmer. It wasn't purely technical skills. If you want to lead a department, a division, a company, even start your own company, there are these other skills, leadership, communication, networking, negotiations, team building. All these skills are critically important, but no one bothered to teach them to us. So I began to research them and develop them in myself. And at this time, we didn't have podcasts. The World Wide Web was only a couple years old. There wasn't a lot of resources. So I had to really put a lot of effort into finding them, finding the resources and developing them in myself. I realized these skills are important, not just for leaders, not just the people at the top of the hierarchy, but everyone. And so I wanted to instill the skills across my organization. So I began to work on development programs for them. But it was uh, challenging, again, without a lot of resources. And around the same time, MIT had been getting feedback from companies saying, look, your students very smart, but what we want to see in our employees, not just MIT students, not just recent grads, but every employee we hire everywhere are these same skills and we can't find it. So MIT said, we have to develop a class to teach this. I heard about and reached out to MIT and said, hey, you know, I've been working on the same thing. Can I help you develop this program? They said, yes, please. We could use all the help we can get and then help develop it. They asked me to teach. I've been teaching here for 20 years. So I've had my primary career where I'm a CTO and I build tech startups and help Fortune 500s play startup. But I've had this parallel career helping people with their professional efficacy and teaching this and some other unrelated topics at different universities. With that experience, Looking back and now looking at people who are working on their career, whether early on in their career or wanting to take things to the next level, how should one create a career plan before their next job search? Most people don't think about a career plan. They're just focused on that next job, that next career. But you really want to step back and have a larger plan. Consider any project you have done at work. Would you ever say to your boss, hey, I know we have this long-term plan, Let's not bother with a project plan. Let's not bother with a budget, scheduling. Come on, let's just, you know, we'll focus on what's going to happen next week and um, go from there. Now, we might, using, in my own world of software, we use an agile process where every two weeks we do some work and then we check back in, but we have an overarching plan. We know what we're supposed to be building. We know where we want to wind up. And then as we progress, we do check-ins. Are we on path? Are we getting behind what's happening? Our careers are much longer than any project we've done at work. You want to create that plan. You want to know where you're going. Otherwise, the odds of getting there get pretty slim. Of course, like our project plans, it's never going to work out perfectly, right? You might have good opportunities come up at work. You might have setbacks. You never know when a global pandemic's going to come along and just throw chaos everywhere, right? These things happen. And so what you want to do is checkpoint Every I recommend at least once a year to say, how am I doing on my plan in terms of the job, in terms of career progression, in terms of the skills I need to develop to get where I want to go, I'm going to check in. And so by having this long-term plan, what you can do is when you are taking a job, you can start to say, okay, this next job, how will this help me along the path? And typically there's not one path, right? Your career plan 
when we talk about it in the book, it really kind of maps out different paths. It might move you further along one path or partly down another, and you have to decide if that's the right next step for you. But that only works when you know where you're trying to go and the path to get there. One quality that I see lacking in many professionals is that they might have great skills, but as far as representing themselves professionally and how that interacts with trying to accelerate a career, what do job seekers commonly miss on the self-representation side of the job search in their career, whether it might be internally at a company or externally while viewing jobs across the board? Yeah, there's two failures here, one on the part of the candidate and then one on the part of the company. As job seekers, we need to remember it is not just a job title. It's not just maybe even a set of responsibilities. What budget do I get? How much headcount? But that development and growth that we get from our job. When I talk about negotiating, I don't talk about negotiating salary, at least for job negotiations. I talk about it more generally. I never negotiate a job salary. I always negotiate compensation. Because compensation includes not only salary and benefits and stock options, but these other intangibles. How will I develop and grow and learn? I give the example when I was early in my career, I spent a year working at Harvard Business School. It's a nonprofit. It's academia. They're not known for large paychecks. I didn't take it for the money. I definitely could have found other jobs that paid more money. But I sat three feet for a professor in his office for a year. I was personally tutored throughout the year by a couple Harvard finance professors. This is how I learned finance. Harvard Business School paid me to learn. So cash compensation, yeah, I didn't do as well as I could have done elsewhere, but the knowledge I got was far more valuable than that marginal extra cash. So as a job seeker, you want to think about that long-term career path. Will you learn things in today's job they're going to set you up for better opportunities down the road. Don't just maximize the short term in terms of cash. Now for companies, one thing they miss in job descriptions is they put down generally what the requirements are in terms of knowledge. You know, you know this tool, this industry, some type of uh, tool or um, process or they say experience, experience doing A, B, C. And certainly those do matter. I'm not gonna hire someone as a software engineer if they've never written software. But there are a bunch of other skills that we don't always talk about that are important. And because the company doesn't think about it, subconsciously they might know, but they haven't consciously thought about it and they can't even articulate it to the candidate in some cases. So we commonly hear in job descriptions, strong leadership and communication skills, right? I hate that phrase because what does that mean? What does it mean to be a strong communicator? Does that mean you are great standing at a podium? That might be important. Sometimes for my jobs, I do a lot of public speaking and it helps that I can do it. For many people, they're never gonna do that formal public speaking at conferences, but they need to communicate effectively with their team. Does that mean formal written emails or does that just mean they're good at communicating and making sure everyone's talking ideas are flowing? Does it mean that they're good when they're put in front of a customer or explaining things in their department to people without that department knowledge? These are all different types of communication and they may or may not be important for a role. For leadership, particularly we think, oh, well, this person's running a department, she needs to be a leader. Is she a growth leader? Is she a transformational leader as things change up? Do you have a demoralized team that needs to be re-energized? 
Do you need someone with out-of-the-box creative thinking who's going to lead the team in a new direction? These are different types of leadership. And anyone who is a fantastic leader may be better at one type of leadership than another. There could also be intangible skills, sense of humor, having a strong network, right? Does that matter? So companies, when they think about a job, really need to think about these other attributes as well. And as a candidate, unfortunately, the companies don't list them. You need to, during the interview, uncover what does matter, what type of leadership, what type of communication will help you, how important is team building, and can you emphasize that? So you have to uncover the hidden values and then sell yourself into those. Mark, that's a fantastic answer, and it reminds me of a piece of advice I often give young job seekers. First off, you have to put yourself out there. You have to have some visibility and exposure, not just in the workplace, but wherever you live. And then along with that, saying yes to things. The example you gave on the time you spent at Harvard, not maybe taking the best paying job, but learning the most and learning it from top tier mentors, what one can gain from that experience goes far beyond compensation. And the advice I give out is start networking. If there's an opportunity to join a nonprofit, to volunteer, to join a board or committee, you get to do something good, give back and make an impact. But what is also important is the experience one gains, the people you meet, what one will learn from other professionals, and the real world experience gained while outside of the office. It makes a big impact on your professional acumen and it helps one become well-rounded and polished. Like you said, not always taking the route of the highest pay, but also keeping in mind, what will I learn from this? Who will I meet? What will I be surrounded by in this situation? Seek out new opportunities at your workplace, but especially outside the workplace and say yes to things. Absolutely. A lot of my jobs, I was able to advance. I worked at startup companies. And the great thing about startups, they're really unstructured and they are understaffed and under-resourced which means there's a lot of problems no one has time to deal with. So I was able to just step up and start solving problems no one was paying attention to. It's not that we didn't know about them, they just had bigger problems. And that let me grow in my capabilities. No one asked me to do it. I wasn't getting paid extra to do it. But then when I looked for a new job, I could say, well, it's not in my title, but I've also done all these things, let me talk about them. And I demonstrated that I had that experience. Are there any other pieces of wisdom you wish you could share with aspiring professionals on how to maybe accelerate their career or get a couple steps ahead of the curve? I'm going to start with the example of learning to negotiate. So let's take a really basic example. You're 25 years old. You have a job offer for $50,000. If you spent some time learning to negotiate, we're not talking about being a world-class negotiator. We're not talking about hostage negotiations for the FBI. We're saying you read a book on it, you took a class, you learned to negotiate, so you go back and you ask for $51,000 using standard negotiation techniques, and you convince the company, so now you get $51,000 instead of fifty. If you do nothing else in your career, if you sit in this job for 40 years, what happened? You earned $1,000 more for 40 years. You earned $40,000 from one simple five-minute negotiation. Right. If I told you, read this book or you know, take this online webinar and you'll get $40,000, every one of you would do it in a heartbeat. And that's what negotiations will let you do. Now, of course, we know 
the example is unrealistic. You're not going to stay in that job for 40 years. You're going to get promoted. You're going to take other jobs. You're going to get raises and promotions bigger than $1,000. In fact, learning to negotiate, no matter where you are in your career, can add tens of thousands, easily hundreds of thousands of dollars to your lifetime earnings. Now, we're just taking cash compensation here. Of course, we talked about negotiations, uh, compensations more than that. And of course, we negotiate not just for our compensation. We negotiate not only with the obvious, the suppliers and the customers, but also even with our coworkers. If you're a better negotiator with them, you create better solutions and your coworkers are more excited to work with you because you generate better outcomes. Now, here's the really big secret, right? I just taught you how to get hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's not even the big secret. The big secret is this same ROI of just learning to be a little bit better, not world-class, just getting a little better where you are, applies not only to negotiations, but to your leadership, to your team building, your communication, to learning to work effectively, managing your manager, understanding corporate culture. All of these skills give you the same ROI. Now, no one's going to say, hey, great job communicating. Here's a $1,000 raise, right? It's not quite so direct. But you're going to demonstrate that leadership. You're going to demonstrate good team building skills. You're going to be on the fast track for promotions or to getting better opportunities. And that will lead to financial compensation, other compensation. So all of these skills, it's not about being the best leader in the world, the best negotiator, communicator is about getting a little bit better at each of them and the returns will be massive. So invest early, invest often. It doesn't have to be hours and hours of work. Investing even 20 some hours a year is gonna have a massive return on your career. This is just the tip of the iceberg of what I've learned from the Career Toolkit, which blends insider depth with information I believe all professionals should have access to what inspired you to share your knowledge and experience with others? I had been teaching this class at MIT for 20 some years, and I've taught similar programs, one at SUNY for a bit. I used to help run an online community of a couple hundred thousand people giving career advice. And really it has pained me when I see people get stuck in their careers. People who want that promotion, but they just don't know how to get. They're so focused on, well, I'm a good individual contributor. I do such good work. Why don't they make me the head of the department? Well, that's a different set of skills, and they don't understand that. right? I've seen people who have poor networking skills. People just struggle. They're otherwise capable people, and it really pains me to see good, capable people get stuck. So I wanted to help others, and I knew the, the class at MIT like these skills, these are not technical skills. They're not just for MIT students. So I want to get out there. Now, MIT, we have a long tradition of putting our courseware online for free. We started what's now EDX. Unfortunately, we just didn't have the resources in this program to do it. So after pushing for years to get out there, I thought, all right, let me write up some class notes. And I really thought I was going to write up maybe 20 pages of notes, give it to the students, maybe eventually put it online. But 20 pages became 40, became 80, and at some point it became a 270-page book. And so I said, all right, I think this is going to be now a book and, of course, the free companion app. Can you please share a little bit more about the book and the app as well? That's a fantastic idea. Please tell us a little bit more about the Career Toolkit and what you've done there and how that's helping readers. 
the book itself is broken into three sections. And it's designed, you can really jump to any chapter. You don't have to read in a linear order. I know people don't always read a whole book these days. So as I describe the chapters, no, you can just jump to any one of them. First section, careers. Chapter one, how to create a career plan. Chapter two, working effectively, managing your manager, understanding corporate culture, understanding the value that you deliver, dealing with office politics, right? All these subtle things we've heard about that no one teaches us. Chapter three, interviewing. And I look at both from the candidate's perspective and hiring manager's perspective. Here's a dirty secret of our industry that some of you probably already know. We have almost zero training on how to hire someone. Companies say, hey, uh, we have some candidates coming in. Why don't you just go interview them? Never sat you down, never taught you how to do it. They figured, well, you've been a candidate. You can figure this out, right? That's like saying, hey, uh, get behind the wheel. You've seen your parents drive a car, right? Give it a shot. Right? That's not the best way to learn how to drive. Likewise, with interviews, we need to be more rigorous. So that's section one, those three chapters. Section two, leadership and management. And I break down management both into the people side of management, how to influence and motivate people, and then the process side. I don't pick, oh, it's waterfall or agile or any particular Six Sigma. It's about the fundamentals of process and how to think about process and create effective, adaptive learning organizations. And these skills are not just for, oh, you have to be a leader, you have to be a manager to get it. These are skills that are going to apply to you even from day one. Third section, general skills, communication, negotiation, networking, and ethics. So as I said, you can just jump to any chapter in the book. You say, oh, I gotta start learning to negotiate. I'm gonna start with that. Then maybe I'll go back to career plan. Then I wanna learn a little about ethics. So you can jump around. Now the app I created, it's a free app for Android and Apple, and you can download it from my website. One challenge that we all have whenever we read, I'll say self-help books in general, business books, or any kind of more general self-help book. You read the book, you say, wow, great advice. And then you forget it three weeks later. We're on to the next book. We've got families, we've got jobs. It's hard to really retain that information. So what I want to do is create an app to help you retain the information better. You download the free app and it contains all the great tips and advice from the book. You don't even need to open the app. It's just gonna pop up each day one of the tips from the book. If you're reading the chapter on networking, you say, you know what, I only want networking tips. That's what I wanna focus on. So each day at a time you set, it's gonna pop up one little tip. You look at, go, oh, right, good tip. Swipe it away, done. Or if say you're about to go into a networking event, you're not gonna be carrying my book with you. So you open up the app and you say, let me just swipe through some of those networking tips, get that kind of crash refresher course. This is going to make the content more valuable because I'm not here to sell you a bunch of chop down trees, I'm here to help you retain these ideas and the app will help do that. Another useful tool, this is also available for free on the website on the resources page. The very first download teaches you how to create peer learning groups. Okay, what does that mean? This type of skill is different than what you've learned in the past. When you learned history or math, the professor would stand up at the front of the room and say, here are the historical dates, here's what happened in this battle, here's a mathematical formula, memorize it, and on some tests, we're gonna ask you to regurgitate that information, right? That's all it is. Remember, return. That does not apply to these types of skills. 
you can remember a mathematical formula, right? Oh, here's how I solve a quadratic equation. There is no formula for leadership. There is no three-step process to always communicate effectively. There are good tips and bad tips, but the great thing about working in business is every rule kind of has an exception or an area where you might want to do something a little differently. It's subtle and complex. So you can't just take a class, even reading just my book alone, it's helpful, but I don't think you'll get everything out of it you could. The way we teach these skills at MIT, the way they're taught at all the top business, skill, business schools is through peer learning. You want to create a group of people so you and I sit down with a couple other folks and we talk about a communication challenge, right? And we say like, oh, well, I had this kind of situation at my company and we had all this misunderstanding. Here's how we dealt with it. And then you say, oh, that's interesting. I would have done it this way. Oh, what a great idea. Okay, I just learned something from you. And we're all going to bring our different perspectives. So what you can do is create this peer learning group within your company or if you don't have, uh, if your company's not supportive of this, you can do it within your department, you can do it company as a whole, create a local meetup group, create a group of peers outside of work. You just need that group of people. Think of it like a book club. You can take a book like mine, and I have as well how to chop it up into sections to have discussions. I've got some questions that go with each section. But look, if you don't want to use my book, I don't want you to think, oh, he's just trying to push his book. Download that resource, ignore my book, Read one of the other great books I list on my website. I have no affiliate fees, no incentive other than they're helpful books. Or go find some articles online or listen to great podcasts like this one. And all of you in your peer learning group, you listen to an episode like this and you say, wow, that's great. Let's discuss it. The key factor in learning these skills, because they're not just knowledge, they're skills, is having that discussion where you get that rich, complex multifaceted view of these issues. And that is what's going to really help you develop them and become tomorrow's leader. Can you give us an example of someone that you've worked with and based on the tools available in the career toolkit, how their career or their current job trajectory or performance was impacted and what steps did they take from the career toolkit to make that change? I'll pull out an example in the book that relates back to what we spoke about earlier with interviewing. I had a student of mine at MIT who worked for a major bank, and he had gone through uh, as an associate, an analyst, and now was up for a very competitive VP job. And he came to me and said, I'm not sure how do I interview, how to prepare for this. Now, it's an internal role, which meant he didn't have to really sell his background so much. They knew what he did. In fact, okay, he went to MIT. Obviously, he's a smart guy. And he has a track record now. People can say, yes, he is smart. He's capable. He delivered on time. So it wasn't a traditional interview in that he had to say, look at how smart I am. Look at the results of my work. That was already known for him and many of the other candidates. It was the unwritten rule that he had to work on. In his case, he was we'll say a kind of typical, shy, kind of engineer type, right? We're going to go with a little bit of a stereotype. It's not true for all engineers, but just very quiet, heads down. Now, this particular bank did not have that culture, certainly not for this group. It was the, you know, male-dominated, beating your chest, 
pounding back the beers at the end of the day or shots even, you had to be hard charging to really fit in with this group. That wasn't who he was. And over the past couple of years, he probably didn't sell himself that way. He came in, did his work quietly. So the key for him to get this job was not to simply say, look at the good work I do. They knew that. The key was to say, I fit into this work culture. I can pound back the shots with you. Now, it wasn't about drinking. It was about the, I'm going to go for the kill. I'm going to bring in new business. I'm going to be that alpha male A player that you want on your team to succeed in the competitive world of finance. He had to convey that. My advice to him, I actually told him to go watch uh, Mad Men. Uh, for those who don't know the show, it was a great show on AMC, set in the 1960s. The lead character, Don Draper, conveyed this very arrogance, but not in a cocky way. Confidence, we'll say, but confidence with a touch of arrogance. And that's what he needed to do. He needed to project that during his interview. So in this case, the interview prep for him was how do you convey this aspect they probably haven't seen, but are looking for even though they haven't said it. We prepped, we had him work on that. He came back, I gave him some questions. I want him to answer in that Don Draper manner. And he pulled it off and got the promotion. Well, hopefully they didn't pull the Don Draper move of lighting a cigarette in the conference room. Mark, I could ask questions and continue learning for hours. There's so much more we could cover. I'd love to continue discussing this with you, but we're running short on time. Can you provide us with some departing wisdom? Listeners of the Job Interview Podcast are already way ahead of the curve. Unlike many who just show up for their job interview, our listeners have taken the time to seek out new information, invest in themselves, and learn about interviews. That's how they found the show. What else do you think our audience should have on their minds to make the most of their job search, to improve their interview, and to accelerate their career? We've talked about a number of skills, and we've talked about different ways you can learn them. Don't overdo it. What you don't want to do is wake up January 1st and say, okay, I want to lose weight, quit smoking, go to the gym more, stop drinking, and 20 other things that are going to be my New Year's resolutions. We know you're destined to fail. What you want to do is say, I'm going to focus on one thing. Just quit smoking. That's it. That's my goal. And for the next three or four months, that's all you're focused on. You still have the other bad habits or haven't developed good habits in some cases, but you're focused on that. And after a couple months, it gets easier and it starts to become second nature. And after a certain time, you say, yeah, I don't need to focus on not smoking. Now I can focus on getting to the gym more, right? So focus on one skill at a time. And so what you want to do is start with that creating a career plan in chapter one. What is your career plan? Where are you trying to go? What are the skills you need to get there? You're not going to develop all those skills in the next two weeks, even the next year or two. What are you looking at in the short term versus long term? And focus on that. Create a plan to focus on that. And then down the road, as you return to your plan, because we said do regular check-ins, after a year, maybe two, you say, okay, I'm getting much better at negotiating. Fantastic. Now I want to focus on communicating. And so that's going to be my plan for the next 12 months. So take that long-term view and don't try to do everything at once. Thank you again to Mark Hirschberg for joining us. I'm going to provide a link to Mark in this episode description. Mark, where else should people look you up at? You can go to my website, thecareertoolkitbook.com. There you can learn more about the book or get in touch with me. You can also download the free app I mentioned. There are links to both the Android and iPhone stores. 
and the resources page. It has that free download, how you can create this peer learning group at your organization, as well as links to case studies, to other books I recommend, including many referenced in mine, and a whole bunch of other resources. All of this is free at thecareertoolkitbook.com. I'd encourage everyone to check out the link in the description and look into that. Invest in yourself, invest in your career. It always pays dividends. Mark, thank you for joining us. Let's do this again soon. Fantastic. Thank you for having me on. Are you feeling frustrated with the job hunt? Are endless applications and radio silence getting you down? You can now book me for $1 a minute for 30 45 or 60 minutes. Don't need 45 minutes. Don't pay for it. Want to do 30 minutes now and maybe 30 minutes later? Once you progress, let's do it. We can conduct a mock interview. I'll help you format great responses that make a difference. We can improve your resume and cover letter to help get you noticed. I'm here to consult with you. If you're in a unique situation and want input from someone that has seen it all and can help you succeed like I have so many others, it's super simple. You just go to jobinterviewexperience.com and click the $1 a minute coaching button at the very top of the page. Select the amount of time you want to meet, and then you can look through my availability without having to pay. Check out my availability, pick a time, and pay $1 a minute for 100% of my attention. It's blocked into 30, 45, or 60 minutes, so we won't go over, you won't get charged anymore than what you pay at checkout. Remember, the faster you invest in yourself, the faster you land that dream job. Go to jobinterviewexperience.com or follow the link in this episode's description. I'm excited to meet and help you take control of your career today.